You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. Today is, today is the first Sunday of the, of the year. Today is the second Sunday after Christmas. And uh, I don't know, you guys do a New Year resolution? Yes. Who's got a couple to share? You guys, you know, mine. Mine was to uh, embrace meetings. Well, I've done that a long time ago. (laughs) I got that out of the way. It was six pack was my. uh, (laughs) It's been prolonged. It's gonna be more like two year or five year resolution. Uh, It hasn't changed much since last year. So. (laughs) We're all surfing. Huh? Uh, yeah, more surfing, and I need more. Actually, you know, it's in there, just doesn't show as well as it should. So, <laughs> okay, so what about you? Anyone with a New Year resolution that we can encourage you or keep you accountable or just for fun? I was just thinking about this. I forgot. <laughs> so you haven't kept him already? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you got one New Year resolution? What don't, is it? don't spend money you don't have. Oh, right. That should be like the whole life resolution for most of you. Mine is to do, is to have quiet time every day. Me for the first week? No, prayer. <laughs> so, uh, prayer time slash meditation time every day. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. Would you keep him accountable for that? Sure. <laughs> Your partner for that? Good. That's great. All right. Okay. Anyone else? Daniel's got one. You all turn around. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So, Dan, you fully embrace meetings? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, not fully, but <laughs> I, uh, I try hard, very hard. Uh, it just doesn't come naturally, you know? It's, uh, you know, my friend used to say, like, Dan, at least try to, you know, try not to look like you're in pain when I'm in meetings and conferences and trainings and, uh, but I got better. Yeah. Anyone else? New Year resolution? Really? No? Who has it but you want to share? Okay. She has one. started off the new year with the 21-day Daniel fast and then, um, a commitment to read the Bible in a year, 365 Bible plan, and um, also just to be the best disciple that I can be this year. Great. Awesome. Yeah. And, um... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> My second year's resolution is to get to 165 pounds. <laughs> no matter what. That's above. <laughs> what is it like? Twenty pounds? Ten, fifteen pounds? Yeah, like fifteen. Yeah, that's a lot. Pounds. You're gonna have to do a lot of uh, eat a lot of protein and work work out. That's a lot. Okay, you know that's what kind of what New Year does. New Year is about you know people plan on New Year's and and it's it's what a coincidence that we um, the text that we have today is about planning. Actually, it's not really about planning, but it's a coincidence, really. Um, well, I kind of tweaked a little bit by doing review last last week, but it's really the, the chapter that we are on, Luke, is about planning. And what we're going to share today, what I'm going to share today and what we're going to study together today is actually something that I have learned over the last couple of years and that's been really, really good for me and it really changed 
um, the way I look on to life and the way I deal with life. So I'm really excited for our for the text today. And there's a whole lot going on. There's you know clothes, robes, and lamps, and servants, and wedding, and thieves, and drunkenness, and someone getting chopped in half, and someone getting beat up, and all of that. The fun stuff that Bible always presents for us. Uh, so that's what we have. So let me pray, and we'll read the text, and we'll dive in. Jesus, we thank you for your teaching through your words. We thank you that it was passed on to us for us to learn and apply it to our lives. Um, but you, the, your teaching is strange to us, strange to, to the world values and the way the world uh, you know, commits us to think and live. So I pray that your word would convict us as it challenges us and our hearts will be softened to learn from it and to accept it and uh, um, to, uh, to be molded in the way that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and read the text. On your sermon guide, we have, uh, we have our text today. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 35 to 48. It's short. You know, it's only 13 verses, but there's a whole lot in here. Um, but I'll help uh, us to unpack a little bit. So as we always do, I'll read one verse, and uh, you can read the next. Be dressed for action, and have your lamps lit. The doctors are waiting for the master to return to the wedding banquet. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he... When he comes, truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to it, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night, or near dawn, and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Alright, we're at verse 41. Everyone together? Everyone there? Okay. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whose master will put in charge of the slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. But if that slave says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, that slave who knew what the master wanted, but did not prepare himself to do what was wanted, will receive a severe beating. The word of the Lord. Okay, as you can see, there there is a lot, a lot in there. You can sit on like the table and wherever you find, uh, get comfortable. This will go on for a while, <laughs> as you know. Uh, so there's a lot in it, uh, and it's almost kind of confusing, uh, but what, what's there is there are a couple of parables that Jesus shares, and there's more on that teaching that follows it. And he starts right off in verse 35, right away he said, Be dressed for action, and have your lamps lit. 
So keeping the lamps lit mean, means having the uh, oil prepared for it and being awake so you're able to use the lamps when at night. So you can kind of tell the whole text today is about being prepared and being awake. And that's what it's about. So there are two parables. Uh, first parable that we find is from verse 36 to 38. Go ahead and look at that. That's Jesus. The first parable is about, basically has to do with the householder, the owner of the house, master, being gone uh, to, to marriage feast, to a banquet, wedding banquet, and coming back. And uh, the result of that, it's really positive. The slaves were ready, were awake, greased the master, and they're served by the master, and they are blessed. The second parable is from verse 39 to 40, and this has to do with the householder, um, the owner of the house, thinking about considering or concerned with the thief, and it talks about how you know the owner needs to be ready, alert, and uh, considering the disruption and unexpectedness uh, when the thief comes. So again, the the parable is about being prepared, um, and you know you can't always be prepared for thieves all the time and be awake all the time, but you can be. Prepared. So it talks about being prepared. And he goes on in verse 42 and 46, uh, talking about steward or manager of the house in charge. In this time uh, in Israel and in, you know, in the Middle East, it's often the really wealthy manager would own a number of land, some, some in like in distant countries. So they were actually, the landowner would travel to distant countries. So it was common for the landowner to leave his household um, in charge of this person, like a, you know, the steward. And steward, the best way for us to understand what that guy is, like, um, you know, if you know Batman, it's Alfred, right? The, it's a butler who's completely in charge of the, all things in the house, right? So that's what Jesus is referring to, like steward or manager who's in charge uh, when he's left. And there's two types. One is the is a type, the person who, when the master returns, at an un- unexpected hour, but he is certainly returning. The one he's found on the job, he's working, he's working hard, he's being faithful, and that person, that, that steward is blessed. The other one is the one who is wicked, and who's slacking around, getting drunk, and when the master comes, that steward is punished. And uh, from verse 47 to 48, we see the, uh, Jesus talks about degree of punishment. So, overall, when you consider the parables and teachings of Jesus, there's two things that's happening here. There's a master who's away, but who's certainly coming back. The time that he's coming back is unexpected, and it's unknown, but he is certainly coming back. And there's a slaves and stewards, and really the order of the kind of rankings in the house starts from the steward, uh, skilled labor, and day labor, and slaves. Slaves are the lowest, even lower than the day labor that it really gets hired during the day, for day-to-day, you know, the matters. So, for all of them, what would they do when the master returns? Is really the question. And master could come back at night, really late at night, unexpected hours, and uh, would they be ready, be urgent, and be alert, and be prepared? So, you know, for us, we're, none of us are like slaves or stewards, and we don't have a master's, but really, I think the, the way we can refer to or relate to is, some of you, like, at job, your boss is gone, and you feel like, oh, freedom, right? <laughs> or some of us, you know, grew up at home where parents are away. I go, you know, over the weekend or on a trip, and oh, I have the whole house to myself. I can have a party and whatnot. And we've seen this through the movies too, right? 
Pans out, they have a party, and they come in the middle of the night, unexpected, and what is going on? Right? So it's, you know, sort of like that. Master's gone, they're free, but they have responsibility. They need to be ready, alert, and be doing what they're supposed to do. So the, you know, the overall, sort of the theme of it is, if you're ready, if you're alert, and if you're prepared, then you'll be blessed. If you're not, and you're slicking around, and you're abusive, then you're punished. And that's sort of the theme of the, theme of the story that we read from our text. There are a couple of two things that um, I find it difficult, and I don't know if it raised your flags, but I find it difficult. And one is, what is Jesus really talking about? Or who is Jesus talking about? Commonly, if you were to hear uh, someone preach out of this text, it's usually about the second coming of Jesus. Uh, they talk about, the preachers would normally talk about second coming of Jesus as it refers to us. Uh, some would like to think of this as an end, end time kind of issue, but this, is, this text is not about the end of the world. It's not about end times. And the thing about end times is this. Jesus is coming. That's one thing. We can't be certain of that. Number two, we don't know when. Right? So it is not, it is unrighteous, and it is not right for us to try to seek out and calculate the time that Jesus is coming. And, you know, you, you have to understand, if someone actually guesses the time Jesus is coming, let's say they did, Jesus is not going to come at the time. Because <laughs> he said, I'm going to come and no one's going to know. Man, someone got it, I'm going to delay, I'm going to come at a different time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, if someone said, Jesus is coming in 2015, you know, December 31st, for sure Jesus is not coming on that day. <laughs> because Jesus says, no one will know. Right? So, this isn't about end time. Trying to figure out the end time is wrong. When Jesus said, no one will know, I will not tell anyone, and you say, I'm going to find out. And that is to challenge God. That's challenge God. Right? So that's not what it's about. What's more can this be about is in between times. So most of you heard about this. We are at a time, as we celebrate Advent, for us, it's time in between. Jesus has already come. The kingdom of God is already here. But it's not yet complete. We're kind of in in-between times. Right? So that's what we need to recognize. That there is in-between time. We're in in-between time. So there's a spirit. There's a presence of God. We have a mission to do. But we're kind of, it's not complete. That's where we are. We are in in-between time. But what about when Jesus is actually speaking? What about, the, what about his disciples? Is he really talking to his disciples? Because if you think about it, disciples... They're not waiting for second coming of Jesus. They're actually, and people at this time is waiting for coming of Yahweh, the Savior, the Messiah. So they are coming, they are expecting the return of Yahweh, the God of Israel, God of Exodus, to come back. So then, is Jesus talking to them? And when we read through Luke, we can know that when Jesus talks to the crowd, he would usually talk about an event that it would happen in their lifetime. He wouldn't talk to, it would be strange for Jesus to talk about when I die and come back 2,000 years later, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to know about. It will be strange for Jesus to talk about that. So this would actually be Jesus talking about to the crowd who's listening. But then again, another flip side of that is Luke is writing to his audience. And his audience are people who's waiting for the return of Jesus, who has already seen Jesus. Jesus was resurrected and gone, but they're waiting for the return of Jesus. So is Luke writing for his audience? Or is, it, is he writing what Jesus has spoken toward his audience? Right? So, it's confusing. 
Right? It's confusing. That's why the Peter asked the question. He's just as confused as everyone is. It's like, Jesus, who are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Are you talking about to us or to the whole of Israel? And it's more confusing for Peter because in the Old Testament, when God spoke about master and slaves, it was about God being the master and slaves being the whole of Israel, the whole country. So Peter's question is right. Jesus, you're talking about master and slaves. And usually what I understand is you're talking to the whole nation. So are you talking to us? Or who are you talking to? So, in my point of view, most people preach about this being the second coming of Jesus. And, I, and that can be true, and we can receive it as that, but that's not the whole picture. I think Jesus also talks about the God who's already here. And He talks about people who are not ready. God is here, I'm already here, but you're not ready. You haven't been ready. And there are people who are slacking around, abusing, obviously, you can tell Pharisees, abusing beating women and men and women. So we have to, to, you know, kind of embrace both of that. The other one, number two, the kind of difficulty about the text is, Jesus talks about punishment. And it's kind of rare. You guys catch that? Jesus talks about punishment. So the question is, is there punishment for those who found not working? Are we going to be punished? If so, when? Like, if we are caught not working, is it when we die? Is it when Jesus comes? What happens? Uh, is our salvation at jeopardy? Right? And if you look at it in verse 45 and 46, it does say, yes, our salvation is at jeopardy. But in verse 47 and 48, it says, no, it's not. Because we know and we didn't know and it, it doesn't. So that's also a confusing part. But what we can kind of take from the text is, there's definitely warning about being actively prepared, being actively working. And a couple of things that Jesus addresses at the end tells that greater knowledge brings greater responsibility. I think you would like to apply uh, verse 47, 48, where it says, For everyone whom much has been given, much will be required. And you would, it's easy for you to think, oh, that's you know, like pastors and church leaders uh, who actually has a responsibility. But the responsibility lies to all of us. And I think the better way to look at it is, the more you know, the more responsibility you have. All of us, all of you guys who have learned a lot, who know much, you have a greater responsibility. And greater the responsibility, greater your accountability will be to God. And another part is, sin is not simply about doing wrong, but also failing to do right. So there's all these warnings, but we know that there's a look is onto something when we look at the movement. So let's kind of try to look at the whole of chapter 12. And here's the movement that Luke is going. Some of you are just joining us for today and some of you have been following the uh, gospel of Luke. So here's the movement of the story. Luke talked about don't fear men, beginning of chapter 12. Don't fear men, but fear God only. Right here. And he talked about you know God is the judge. Consider the judgment and know, think about the judgment. Um, and Luke also talks about don't fear possessions, whether you have it or whether you don't have it, because God cares for you, right? And besides, you're powerless anyway. There's nothing you can do to increase or decrease anything you got. You have, you're powerless, so don't worry, don't be anxious, right? So that's, and he, he ends the last previous chapter with talking about ravens and lilies and how God cares for them. So don't be anxious, don't worry. So he moved on to this, this text, and most of you are thinking, when you hear that, Jesus says, I'll provide what you wear, what you eat, but most of you are thinking, well, 
But I want more than that, right? And most of us are, right? We want more than just what we wear and what we eat. We got plans, right? We got plans for our future. And you can say, well, that's good, God, but I got a great plan for my life, right? I need to graduate Stanford, get hired by Google, um, have a wonderful family, marry a beautiful wife or, or great husband, you know, buy a big house, you know, plan for my retirement, early retirement. We have a plan. You have a plan. You guys have a great plan. You have it in your mind. I'm going to do this career. I'm going to be successful at this company, doing having this kind of work. It's going to be great. That's my plan. And God, that's my plan. And, you know, that's where I'm going. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so, let me just be clear about that. Planning is not bad. <laughs> I'm not saying planning is a terrible thing. Planning is good. It's a good discipline. Right? It's a good discipline. It's a good practice. But there comes time when the planning is bad and the planning is good. And that's what we're talking about. We're going to talk about good versus bad planning. Because when you plan, what happens most of the times? When you plan, your planning is about you. It's, it's pretty much self-centered, isn't it? You plan of things that, in the way that you see fit. Um, you're the center of it, right? I need these things planned out. I need to achieve these things for me, right? And then you work it out to make sure it works out. You got to get the, your resources lined up. Um, people, you need to use the people, use God, and you got to use it to meet and achieve your plan. And you're self-centered in a way that you can't spare any. Like someone comes and asks for your need and money or whatever, you say, I, I can't. Your time is, I can't. I got to focus in doing this. I got a plan. I need to achieve my plan. And it's about me. I can't spare any, Right? So you use God and use people. And you look to God and God, are you with my plan? Are you with me on this? Because it doesn't seem like... Did you say you can't or you can't? I heard you can't. Can't what? You, you could cannot. give or you cannot. You cannot because when, when it's your plan, you're thinking about, I can't spare any. I can't spare my time. I can't spare my money. I can't spare anything because I have to put all my resources into achieving my plan. Right? Because it's my plan. And you ask... God, are you in this plan with me? Are you supporting my plan? Are you in this 100%? Because I don't know if you are, because I'm not getting enough support, right? <laughs> you need to be in with my plan. Um, you guys remember the movie, Evan Almighty? The, yeah, and we yeah. kind of, some of us watched together, and there's a part where the God comes, right? The, uh, the What's his name? Morgan Freeman? And, you know, these things are happening. He's becoming Moses and stuff, right? He's getting all this stuff, and, and he says... But, you know, I had this plan, and you know, God character, Morgan Freeman started laughing. Like, <laughs> I was like, what, why are you laughing? Just give me a second. And he just starts laughing, like, you had, like you said you have a plan. That's funny. Right? He just laughs. Right? That's, that's kind of how it is. We say, we got a plan. God, we have a plan. Are you in this with me? Right? And the flip side of that is, not only are you self-centered, but it hurts us. It hurts all those around us. Because when it's about us, when it's our plan, we make it so that it happens. When things go, don't go our ways, we get frustrated. We're stressed out. We're anxious. Right? It hurts us physically, mentally, emotionally. Right? And uh, it hurts people around you because you're stressed. Right? You're stressed out and you're hurting. So those who care about you are hurting. Um, and not only that, when you do fail, when the plan doesn't work out and you don't achieve what you want to plan, 
what you had planned, you feel like you're a failure, right? And most of you can relate to this, right? I just plan to graduate, go to this school. I just plan to do this much. I had planned to get this job. I had to plan to have this kind of relationship. Didn't work out. What's wrong with me? Right? So you go into depression, you go into suffering, you're hurt. And you turn around and you blame people. You are, you know, you, um, you, be, you resent the people around you. Like, why didn't they help me? Why did this happen? Why did they do this to me? Where were they when I was in this? That's kind of how things go with us. We plan, we get stressed, it doesn't work out, we're depressed, and we resent people. So when you think about it, this really isn't the way that God has for us, is it? It can't be. This really cannot be Christian life. It cannot be Godly life where we plan things out, we want God to support us, and when it doesn't work out, we blame others and we're hurt, we struggle. It really can't be. And you know, it's the same thing with the pastor, you know, me, my life. Um, there was a time, you know, because, you know, we started Life Light, and I thought Life Light would blow up in a couple of years. It would be like thousands of people. Um, that was my plan. That was my plan. It didn't work out that way, right? And there was a time that I really struggled. Like, I felt like I was a failure. Like, it didn't work out the way I thought it would. In young life, too, like, sometimes it doesn't work out. Like, what, what's going on? It's not working toward my plan. And I start hurting people around me. I start resenting people. Because it was my plan. So, if it's not us planning life, then, then what? What is Jesus instructing us through our text today? What is a godly way to live our lives? What's the word that keeps echoing through our text today? Be prepared. Prepared. Prepare life. There's no anxiety because you, although you don't, there are things that are, that is un, unexpected, uncertain. You're prepared, fully prepared. That's what the story is talking about. It says, loin the girt, which means these people in Israel, they're wearing like a robe. I got a robe. You reason about a robe? It's wonderful. It comes all the way down. It's warm, nice. <laughs> people wore that 24/7 in Israel. That's nice. I wish I could like walk on the street wearing my robe, <laughs> right? But when you wear a robe, it's not really comfortable. You can't do much. That's why when the the text today is talking about girding the loins, means you pick up your robes and you tie belt around it so that it's up here, so it's not hindering you as you work. It's like getting fully, fully ready to work. And Jesus talks about the, his servants, stewards, being faithful. So, it's about preparing life versus planning life. And that may sound similar. You're like, okay, yeah, I am preparing for my plan. <laughs> <laughs> it may sound similar, but it's completely different. It's black and white in its roots. Whether either you're planning your life or you're preparing life. So, we got to ask questions. If it's preparing, then what and why and how? What do we? So first one is prepare for what? First and foremost, and Jesus talks about it in, his, in, the, in the text today is prepare, prepare for the end. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When we live our lives, we need to live with our with the end in mind, right? I talked to you about you know I'm in the school. Um, and the first thing, right after my first uh, course, they have laid out uh, what's going to be thesis for your doctorate. 
and why don't you let's go through that so that you can do your uh, do your um, <coughs> the course your study you can plan out with your thesis in mind and you've done that some of you experienced that when you're in school you plan your school out with graduation in mind right planning with the end in mind are you living your life with the end the judgment in mind or are you living for the moment so first thing that we need to prepare is living with the end in mind it says in revelation chapter 16 verse 15 Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. It says, be ready. It doesn't say don't sleep naked. It's not what it's about. But be ready. Right? Be ready because God is coming. Be ready. Live with the end in mind. Live with the judgment in mind. Second, what do we pre- uh, pre- uh, prepare for what? Prepare for the work. Prepare, prepare for the work. And most of our question is, and, and some of you have these thoughts in your mind now, is that, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> right? That's, that's some of your thoughts, and sometimes it sneaks up on us, like, I don't know what I want to do. Right? I don't know what I want to do. But you can prepare wherever God would have you, even though you don't know what you want to do. Right? Most of us are, most of us are concerned with our future. We're concerned with our future. We're concerned with job choices, school choices, place to live, people to marry, or a person to marry, um, kids to have, you know, lifestyle to have. We're concerned with our future. And in that concern, what we tend to do is just, I've got to have a better plan, right? i got to better have a better plan. But what's more important is, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you living your life prepared for what God would have you? And when you think about being prepared for godly work, godly life, you're thinking, oh, it's like a ministry. <coughs> but if you followed us, followed together on the study of Luke, you know that it's not just godly work. Godly work is your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, godly work, your work is at your workplace, at home, with your friends, at school, with those around you, it's 24-7. You are being called to do work of God, always and constantly. So are you prepared to do the work of God? Are you prepared to go where God takes you? And it's not necessarily geographic locations, but the people. Are you prepared to go to the people that God would take you? Are you prepared for the job that God would have you? Are you prepared to, you know, a location, different, different city to live in? Are you prepared for situations that God would have you? What if God would throw you in this situation? What, would, what if God would throw you with this type of people? Are you prepared to live life living and loving like Jesus? Are you prepared? Are you planning your own future or preparing where God will have you, use you, and place you? That's the thing. You either plan your way or you live your life preparing where God will have you. I'll be prepared if this happens. I'll be prepared if that happens. And even if you consider your career or school choices, it's not necessarily you making plans, but am I prepared to go this way and go in every, every way, every direction? And it's the same thing for church too. You know, when I was studying about church, and churches still do this, they have this thing called church planning, right? They plan out the church. Like when I you know, learned about planting church, they have a five-year church plan, 10-year church plan. We're going to be this many members at this time, this much money at this time. 
And it is ridiculous. You can't plan. I mean, it's good to have a plan, but you can't put, make the plan and make everything fit in that plan. It has to be, is the church prepared? So that's also the question for LifeLight, us. And we, I ask you all this time, can we please be prepared where God will take us? Are we prepared if more people come? Are we prepared to go and serve people? Are we prepared to reach out to those around us? It's not about us having plans, but it's about us being prepared to where God would take us, where God would use us as a community. Okay, third, prepare for what? Obviously, what Jesus is saying here is clear that something's going to happen, and he is referring to the cross that he mentioned a few times already. He says, be prepared for crisis. Crisis is coming, that's for sure. Crisis is coming. For the people who are listening to Jesus, people who are listening, reading the Luke's gospel, and for us, Christ is coming. Are you prepared for crisis in your life? And you may think, my life might be just smooth ride. And I would, you know, you know me, life sucks. <laughs> I tell you this, there will be crisis in your life. People will die. Those who care will die. Those who care will suffer. There will be pain and suffering in your life. Are you prepared? Is your faith strong enough to depend on God, to rely on God, to seek God? Do you have people around you? We'll talk more about that. So those, those are things that we're going to prepare. So the next one is, next question is why? Why do we prepare? Why? And the first and foremost is, what well, is there an alternative? There really isn't. The alternative to preparing is planning. And we have heard Jesus says, you worry about all these things you prepare, but you can't even add one more day, one hour to your life. You have no power. And we talked about this. We are absolutely powerless. And it's the moment that we recognize we're powerless that we can be free of anxiety. The moment we recognize that we depend on preparing and not planning. Because there's no alternative. And it's not that we should we plan and hope for the best? No. We prepare and depend on God. Depend on God to lead us. And also, why do we prepare? Because it leaves us from anxiety. When we prepare instead of plan, we're anxiety free. So, think about that. It's not your plan, right? You got some kind of idea in where you want to go, but you don't completely take it as your plan, so you go, okay, if I go this way, I'm fine, right? It's not, you don't know the plan. You don't know where you might go, so you're not anxious, you're not stressed out, right? So you're not also stressed out trying to figure out where you have to go, where you might go, where you, what's the right way, what's the wrong way. And also, when you fail, things don't work out, you go, okay, maybe there's another way for me. Maybe God would have me in a different direction. And some of you feel this, so when you feel like you failed, whether it's school, whether it's job, whether it's family, whether it's relationship, if you are living a prepared life, then you can go like, okay. God's going to take me elsewhere. I'm going to go some other, another way. This is not about failing, but this is about being prepared to go where God takes me. And being prepared to success. So some of you feel like you failed, but it's only if you got a plan, if you had a plan of your own. Some of you need to be more prepared, though, right? You need to be living a life, prepared life. But God could use you if you're prepared. Okay, third, when you are living a prepared life, it becomes life 
of giving flexibility and availability. You can imagine that. It's completely opposite of living a self-centered life. You're available. Because, okay, I had my plan to go this way, but it's not really my plan. I just want to be prepared and available, so I'll help you. I have this resource I wanted to use, but maybe this is where God would have you. My time and my money and my energy, I'll provide for you. You're available. You're giving. Your life is giving. Right? You have flexible. It's freeing. Preparing life is freeing. Why do you live this way? Because this is the way that God wants us to live. Because we can be free. We can be happy. It's not unto us. It's God's problem. God will take care of us. God will take us where we need to go. All we need to do is just be faithful at the moment and be prepared to where God will take us. And be diligent and faithful to what we need to do. The responsibility we have at that moment, at that time. Lastly, how to prepare. I'm going to read that Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is, uh, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, all the more as the day, as you see the day approaching. It's pretty simple. This is why Jesus said, be a church. I'm the head of the church. Be a church. Be part of a community. You need church. How do we prepare? Go to church. That's it. Be in a community where you can confess your faith, where you remember your faith, where you can encourage one another in love and good deeds, where you are meeting together faithfully and you're encouraging one another. It says, as the day is approaching more, and it is approaching, do even more. This is how you prepare. This is how you prepare. So, let me close with these questions. Are you living a planned life? Are you busy planning? Are you stressing out on planning? Is it working out? Or are you sad how it turned out? Are you troubled? Jesus says, and he says repeatedly, do not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid. He says, do not worry. Don't be anxious. He says, what can you possibly do if you worry? Not much. And he says, instead of worrying, trust me. He said, just be prepared to go do and be whatever, wherever, however, or have you. This is when that verse that some of you embrace comes, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's plan for us is good. It's better than ours. And you would you know, say, like, I never planned that I'd be here. <laughs> I had a plan. When I was like mid-twenties, I had a plan that by the time I'm 30, I'll be doing this job, I'll have a you know, million dollar worth asset in my name, I'll be like this, I'll be like that. I had a plan. Right? I never expected myself to be here. And when you ask a lot of people who are mature believers, who are in certain you know, age, they'll tell you, like, I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be doing this. But this is where God helped me. 
And there's an end I struggled. I found my way through. How stupid was I? Right? You guys are young. Prepare your life for where God will have you. Don't struggle by planning your own ways. Give, ask God to give you wisdom and where to go. But be prepared. God will take you to a place where you never expected. And He will. Because this is, that's, this is how Jesus is. He would flip things upside down. He would change things around you. So it will shape us. It will call us to depend on Him instead of ourselves. We're called to live a prepared life. Not a planned life. Jesus calls to be prepared, not planned, faithful, not successful, obedient, not productive. That's life that Jesus calls us. And if this, you know, and this burdens you, then you're kind of missing out the whole, the, the core of the story. And the core of the story isn't the parable that Jesus shares. And it's, it's a wonderful parable. It's the first parable that Jesus shares. And I'm going to end with that. It's, it's one of the better, best parables that's written. They say it's this beautiful written parable. And it's about love of God. The master, obviously, is God. Right? And it talks about master coming, leaving the banquet, leaving the wedding banquet, coming in the middle of it, knocks at the door. Right? Slaves are ready. They're prepared. They, they greet the master. Right? And master serves them. So the question really goes, why did the master leave the banquet in the middle? That, that, you don't do that, right? You don't do that, especially if you're esteemed master, esteemed landowner. He leaves the banquet in the middle, so he comes in unexpected hour for his slaves, and he knocks, he comes, they're awake, and he serves them food. And you go, where did he get the food? Right? He serves them food. Where did he get the food? And you got to get the picture of this master who are so loving. And the picture you get, and Jesus is sharing this story, is because he's talking about master, God, bringing the banquet. He's in the middle of the banquet. There's a whole lot of feast going on. There's a whole lot of joy going on. He's thinking about the lowliest, the slave at home. This, I got to go home. He lives in the middle. said, pack some food. I need to bring some food to my home. A master leaves a banquet in the middle, brings the food, knocks on the door, they're awake, and he lets the slave sit on the table. They don't do that. And he, belt, he put a belt around him, he serves the food that he brought to the slaves. And in doing so, he's bringing the banquet, wedding banquet, to the slaves. And not only are they slaves no more, they are now the heirs. They are now the sons and daughters of the house, of the master. They are partners of the master. He has esteemed that he has, he has brought them up to be his partners by doing it. That's the story. If you're ready because this loving master is wanting to bring the banquet to us, would you be ready? Be awake. Be alert. Because that's what master wants to bring. He's bringing the banquet. And we're going to share that we're going to come to the banquet in a few moments. Jesus, Jesus served himself this banquet. The food he offered is his body and blood and told us to continue to share, continue to share with one another, to be prepared. That's what we do when you come to the Lord's table. We celebrate the banquet that God brings to us, that made us his sons and daughters. 
And in doing so, as we gather as a community, we are reminded that we are living a prepared life. Are you awake and are you prepared? Is that how you're living your life for God? Let me pray. And Josh will lead us in breaking the bread and the cup. Father, I pray that your word would enlighten and convict us that so much we have uh, struggled, stressed, and saddened by trying to live out our own plan and trying to figure out our own plan. But you, that's not the life you would have for us. Help us to embrace a prepared life that we trust you and we know that you are a loving Father who has a greater plan than we can possibly have. And all we need to do is to trust you and prepare our lives. And in that, God, I pray that you would mold every one of us here. They were living a life of peace and freedom because we have a good, loving Master who make us, who have made us His heirs, His sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org.